could read this first section and kind of introduce it as we go. So, uh, Joshua, one verse one. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun, will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you, nor or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you may go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua shows the relationship between obedience and success. Judges shows the relationship between disobedience and disaster. Joshua, in many ways, may be the high point of Old Testament history. As much as probably nearly any book, the people of God are faithful to God in Joshua, and they conquer the land. Uh, so this is an encouraging book. Uh, but it starts with what uh, tragedy? Moses' death. death. Not the only book in the Bible that starts with somebody's death. Judges starts with Joshua's death. and Second Samuel starts with Saul's death. and Second Kings starts with Ahab's death and so forth. Uh, but Moses is dead. And uh, so... Uh, the, the Lord is uh, selecting another leader who is Joshua. Now, look at a couple things about Moses. You know, what is Moses called in both verse 1 and verse 2? Lord. Now, that's a really high praise. You know, he is a servant of the Lord. This exact title is only used of, of Moses of Joshua, of David, and of the nation of Israel. Uh, it's a great thing to be a servant of the Lord. Of course, that's a big thing to live up to also. And, and he emphasizes Moses as a servant of the Lord because that's what Joshua needs to be as well. Joshua needs to learn to, to trust and obey uh, the Lord. Um, of the 18 times that the phrase servant of the Lord is used about Moses, 14 of them are in the book of Joshua. So that's a, a really common thing Joshua says about Moses. Um, now, you basically, you know, the baton is being handed from Moses to Joshua. How would that make the people feel? Depends on how much confidence they had in Joshua. I mean, you're, either you're going to get a... You had this great leader, and now you're getting... 
the next guy, or you know, it's going to be continuation of the same strong leadership. You know, it's hard to imagine that you wouldn't be a bit insecure after Moses. You know, think about all the things Moses has done, from the plagues and the Red Sea and the wilderness wandering, the giving of the law, and you know, the the preparation of the people to cross the Jordan and so forth. Moses has been quite a leader. There is, I mean, is there anybody who's going to be able to match Moses? So I think it would make you insecure. You know, wonder how things are going to go. You know, I wonder if it's going to be, you know, he's going to be able to do what what others, uh, what Moses did before him. So I think this is kind of a traumatic moment for the people. Um, but it's not like Joshua is a new kid on the block. What do we know about Joshua and his role up to this point? He was one of the spies. Right, he was one of those 12 spies back when they were at Kadesh Barnea. I'm surprised he's still alive then. Yeah, it makes him uh, the oldest person around besides he and Caleb are the only two that are older than everyone else. That are, that are older than? 40. 40. No. No, 60. 60. Yeah, because it was 20 those up. 20 and up, and we've been in the wilderness for years. And who knows how old they were when they were the spies, so they were... Right. I believe somewhere we find out Caleb's 85. Uh, am I wrong? I think we find that, yeah, out. Yeah, that's right. right. Uh, but how old Joshua was, I don't think we know. But you're right. He is, he's got seniority because he was one of the 12 spies and the one that uh, came back with a good report. Uh, so that's uh, interesting. Um, and and it's interesting also, I mean, it looks to me like Moses is the one that gave Joshua his name. In Numbers chapter 13 and verse 16, these are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, but Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. So he was actually Hoshea, was his given name, but Moses renamed him Joshua, which is, uh, you know, comparable name. Maybe he couldn't pronounce it. Yeah, maybe that's <laughs> what it was. You know, uh, you can uh, see in, in the last few verses of Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 34, 9, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. The sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. So, he had been Moses' assistant. Um, he had had done a lot with Moses. Moses had trained him. Moses had laid hands on him. So Moses has given him very much his blessing as the next leader. He's, he's, he's been trained to be Moses' successor. But this is a big moment, passing the baton to Joshua. And probably not the moment you wanted the baton to be passed exactly. Because what are they just about to do? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, do you really want a coaching change right before the finals of the tournament? You know, wow, that's a, that's a bad moment. Uh, kind of a tense and touchy moment. So this is probably not when we would have chosen to change leaders, but that's when it happened. And... Uh, so, God tells him in verse 2 to do what? Cross the Jordan. Yeah. It's time to go. You know, you've mourned long enough. 
Yeah, you know, they, they wept from Moses in Deuteronomy 34, 8, uh, 30 days, and okay, you've had a month, now go. You know, there, there comes a time when we need to move forward, and of course, when God gives an order, he always equips us with whatever we need to carry it out. If he said to go and cross the Jordan, then they can go and cross the Jordan. He'll furnish whatever means are necessary to get that job done. Now, can you think of a couple of things that might have made it um, challenging to listen to an order like that? Go, arise, cross this Jordan. What would have been a little uh, daunting about that responsibility? Jordan was at flood stage. How are they going to get across it? You know, that's easier said than done. You know, what if somebody said, uh, no, you know, fly to the moon, you know, or something. I mean, you know, how do you do that? What's the second thing that's difficult about this order to cross the Jordan? There's going to be a few people that aren't exactly going to want them to cross the Jordan. Once they get on the other side, that's exactly right. They're facing some real threatening circumstances when they cross. I think I might have said, have you got plan B? But God didn't have plan B. This is it. This is what they're to do. Um, Actually, in many ways, these verses outline the book. In verse 2, the crossing of the Jordan. Really, that's pretty much chapters 1 to 5. And then, every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I've given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. So the conquest of the the land, that's more or less chapters 6 to 12. And then he outlines the land that he's giving from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the Great River, etc., etc. And that fits in with God dividing up the land among the tribes in chapters 13 to 22. So, those three verses basically forecast what's about to happen. It is interesting that he says, wherever you walk, that's what I've given you. So, it's kind of like, well, the more land they walk on, the more they get. <laughs> and, uh, and notice he says, just as I spoke to Moses, he is, he is dealing with Joshua the same way he did with Moses. You know, he's got the same uh, orders and, and the same involvement of the Lord. And, and God's defining the land. Now, the land that he, he speaks about in verse 4 really was not fully possessed by Israel until the days of David and Solomon, as far as I can see. But that was the ideal land he was giving them. Um, This is going to be a challenge. You know, here's the land they ought to take. And uh, so, and and notice he says in verse 5, you know, just as I've been with Moses, I will be with you. So that's the comfort and the encouragement in this situation, is to know that God would be with them. You know, think about what Jesus said when he left the earth. Lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. We need to know God's going to be with us. That gives us courage facing really insecure and overwhelming situations. All right, um, I'll pause for a moment. Do you have some questions or comments through verse 5? Well, in verse 
starting in verse 6. You know, here's kind of the uh, challenge that Joshua has, the things that Joshua needs to do, Joshua and the people. I mean, this is no easy task. All right, so what, what have they got to do? So what's the first thing he tells them to do? And what does he tell them to do in verse 7? Be strong and courageous. And what does he tell them to do in verse 9? Be strong and courageous. And what does he tell them to do at the end of the chapter? Strong and courageous. I get it that that's kind of important. <laughs> you know, uh, he's this is kind of a quadruple call to being strong and courageous. Um, now, you might contrast that with some things we're going to study later in Joshua of how the hearts of the Canaanites melted and they were in panic mode when the Israelites crossed because they'd heard about some of the stuff the Lord had done with them. And by contrast, the Israelites having God with them need to be strong and courageous. And that is the key to this. You know, how can they be strong and courageous? Because, I mean, 40 years before, when they sent the spies in, they're giants in the land. We were grasshoppers in their sights. I don't, I don't suppose they've shrunk since then. So how do you be strong and courageous in view of this? And uh, Joshua himself had seen the giants firsthand. He knew what they looked like. And it's easy to be intimidated until we realize God is saying, I'll be with you. That's, that's the thing. And God will give them this land and so forth and so on. So with the blessing of God, with the strength of God, with the, the company of God, then we can be strong and courageous. You know, that's the secret of success. It, it's it's to really face uh, the enemy and 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 fight him and defeat him because we know that the Lord will be with us. Now, are there situations that we need to be strong and courageous in? Like what? Fight against sin. In what sense? What are you thinking about? Putting on the armor of God, uh, putting off the old man, and right. renewing the new. It takes some courage to yeah. to fight and overcome temptation in our own lives. You know, I mean, sometimes it's kind of intimidating. It's like I can't win this. You know, I've given in too many times. You know, and we just kind of wimp out. So that's one thing. You know, we need to toughen up and quit being wimps and babies about temptation and just fight it and defeat it and kick Satan in the teeth and don't let him up. Are there some other ways in which we need to be strong and courageous? Approaching others about sin. Absolutely. You think about the concept in Joshua, they're conquering territory for the Lord. They are, we would say, I'm not sure this is such a biblical expression, but, but you get the idea. They're kind of advancing the borders of the kingdom. <laughs> You know, that's kind of our, uh, I've always heard that. And, uh, you know, I don't know who first came up with that. It was probably better the first time than it is that we warmed so many times. But in a sense, that's what they're doing. They are conquering more and more territory, defeating the enemy, and, and annexing more and more land to the land that the Lord controls. Well, isn't that what we're doing? As we teach the gospel, we're trying to conquer more territory. We're annexing more land, more people. We're drawing people into the kingdom through the gospel. That's what we need to we need to have, we need to have this military mentality about us, where we are willing to have the courage to teach and confront. And uh, you know that takes courage. What is so hard 
about teaching the gospel to the lost. Why does that take courage? Depending on... You never know how they're going to react. They might reject you. They might not like it. They... Yes. They might... And, you know, in some places they might literally react with violence. They could be violent and it could hurt you. What else what else about it is intimidating and it takes courage? Uh, they may not accept it. They may not accept it. May be awkward. What else intimidates us sometimes from teaching? Don't know enough. Yeah. We may feel, you know, like we don't have the knowledge, the ability, I don't really know what to say, I'm not sure what to do, what if this, what if that. Well, I mean, think about these poor Israelites. There are a total of two of them who've ever been in the land and seen it. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, that's tough. Uh, you, you've heard the, the word from mom and daddy where there were giants in that land. You know? <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, that, that, how, do, how do they know that they're going to be strong enough to conquer the land? Well, I'll tell you how they know. The Lord said, I'll be with you. That's how they know. Don't we have the same promise? If we're doing what the Lord says, he'll be with us, be strong and courageous. So I think that's a, you know, a, an important uh, you know, um, responsibility. What's the next thing he tells them they need to do? Well, and another... Okay. another you know, way that it might be intimidating to ourselves to spread the gospel is when you sit and think about and obsess over and you know, get all freaked out about you're going and you're going to go to somebody and basically say, "Thus saith the Lord." You know, this is what this is what God has said. This is His plan of salvation. You're being a representative of God in that sense, and if you screw it up. It's not a good thing. I mean, you're, you're casting, you know, it's not good. But you're, but in the, but in the same sense, it's kind of like that's a real nice excuse to not speak because you're afraid of mishandling the word of God. So, how can we deal with that? Because that do what <laughs> practice yeah. or study, <laughs> you know, practice, you know understand the concept, you know, really internalize it. Yeah, all that's true. I think, you know, maybe not think of our role being bigger than what it is. You know, we just need to teach what we understand in the Bible. Nobody ever said we were responsible to convince everybody. You know, I don't have to have the answer to every you know, thing they say. I just teach faithfully what the Word says. I mean, think about this. I've been thinking about this just recently because I'm preaching through this. When Paul went to Athens, what was Athens known for? Their Greek goddesses and gods. Right? The multiplicity of gods. Philosophies. Philosophies. Learning. Culture. Sophistication. I mean, who all came from Athens? Aristotle, Socrates. Socrates yeah. yeah, all those guys that knew everything. So, what do you do when you are Paul going into an Athens? You know, 
I mean, did Paul go in and say, um, okay, now, you know, here are the things that are wrong with the Stoic philosophy, and here's the wrong things that are wrong with the Epicurean philosophy, and, and, and here's, you know, that's not how he went in. What did he go in and do? He told him about God. He said, okay, I can tell you're really religious. You know, that's kind of a neutral way of starting. And you've got this altar to an unknown God. Well, I happen to know him, and I want to tell you about him. He is the great creator God who made everything and determined what, how everything was going to run. And he wants to be close to you. Because after all, you depend on him. And he appointed a day when he's going to judge the world through the one he's appointed, Jesus, who he raised from the dead. So, Moses, or, uh, Paul didn't go into some philosophical discussion. He didn't go through 25 proofs that God exists or anything like that. He preached the Lord to them. He, he, he told them about God. Could you have preached to those philosophers what Paul preached? Do you know about God creating the world? About him being the Lord of heaven and earth? Him, being, him running everything? Do you know that God wants a relationship with us and wants to be close with us? Do we know about the fact that he wants everybody to repent because there's a judgment day coming and Jesus, the one he raised from the dead, is going to judge us? I know enough to say that. Paul said what I can say. Now, I don't know what Paul would have done if somebody had said, well, well, give me, you know, a learned thesis on why Stoicism is, you know, not logical. I don't know if he'd have done that or not. I don't know if Paul knew anything about Stoicism. I don't know if he needed to know anything about Stoicism. He knew God. When the Bible begins, the Bible doesn't begin the way I would have begun it. I would have begun it, okay, here are good, logical, solid reasons and evidence to believe in God. Now, once you get them to believe in God, now I'll tell you about God. It just starts telling us God, in the beginning, God just assumes it. I think we put too much burden on ourselves. Just declare God. Just tell them about God. I'm not saying we never need, or it's never appropriate to engage in a, a philosophical argument, um, but that's not what I see happening in the scriptures. I think if we just teach, we tell them about the Lord. Show them the scriptures. Show them Jesus. Show them God. And just declare it. What do you think? I think we can do that. All right, what's the next thing, uh, starting in verse 8? Eight, 7, 8, 7, and 8. What, is, what, do they, what does he need to do? Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Yes. Now, he's giving Joshua instructions. Joshua's going to be fighting this battle. I would have given him strategy and military tactics, and all that. I do not find those here. There is a, a loud absence of military, uh, you know, training, and uh, orientation, and uh, battle tactics, and things like that. I don't ever find that in Joshua. Of all places, they're going to go in and conquer. You know, why doesn't he tell them, okay, here's how you train the men, you know, here's here's the weapons I want you to use, here has, here's how you use them, here's the tra strategy, here's how I want. He doesn't do that. The key to their success God. is God and their 
not they're doing what the law said. Be careful to do all the law. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. So the secret is to follow the law, to do exactly what God says, with no alterations whatsoever. And that's not the only thing he says to do with the law. Besides obeying exactly and everything written, what else were they supposed to do with the law? Yeah, meditate on it. How much? Day and night. Day and night. So, constantly let your mind be focused on the word. You know, just, just, just really focus on it and, and think about it and mull it over and have it in your consciousness. I love Psalm 119. You know, and I'm preaching through that on Sunday nights right now. That's a great song. It's long. Read through it a few times. Man, it's just like the word's so awesome. You need to be thinking about it all the time. Um, so, uh, that's, that's a really important step is to meditate on it. So you do it and you meditate on it. What's the other thing he says more or less to do with the law? Spit on your mouth. Yeah, it's to, to, you talk about it all the time. You know, don't let it depart from your mouth. Meaning, you're always talking about it. Uh, you know, even when we're with each other, we need to be talking about it. So that's a key. I mean, he's really giving him the strategy and tactics. Be strong and courageous and do the law, meditate on the law, and always be talking about the law. And I'll be with you, and you'll have success. So, that's, that's encouraging, and I think great lessons for us. That's exactly what we need as well. Thoughts and comments on that? Okay. 10 to 18. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you are to cross this Jordan to go in and possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess it. To the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God gives you rest, and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But you shall cross over before your brothers in battle obey. All your valiant warriors shall, and shall help them. Until the Lord gives you your brothers rest, and he gives you, and the, they all possess the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to your own land, and possess that which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan, toward the sunrise. They answered Joshua, saying, All that you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your command and does not obey your words, and all that you command him, shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. 
All right. So Joshua talks to the officers of the pe- officers of the people, and notice what he says in verse eleven. What were they supposed to do? Get ready to go with what? Provisions. I'm assuming provisions would mean like what? Now that's interesting. They haven't been doing that. They've been getting manna. They've been getting manna. So what do we know? Manna's going to stop. Why is it going to stop? Because they're going to have the food in the land. They're going to, exactly. So no more manna once they go into the land. Chapter 5 will actually show where it stops. So that's what they need to do is to prepare uh, by, by getting provisions together. Uh, again, no military instructions. <laughs> and uh, so, so, you know, we've got instructions to different groups. These are the instructions to the officers. Now, starting in 12, you've got the instructions to the two and a half tribes. Remember those guys... Uh, what did the two and a half tribes um, negotiate for? Land on the side. Yeah, the land on the east side of the Jordan that they got. That, who did they conquer that land from? You remember? Well, Edom was over that way. But they didn't conquer Edom. They go around the Edom. They went around Edom. Do what? The yeah. Who was the king? Amalekites. Yeah. Sihon and Og, exactly. <laughs> How'd you know that? It was a lucky guess. Yeah. No, they conquered it from Sihon and Og. That's exactly right. And, and Yeah, Sihon was the king of Heshbon, and Og was the king of Bashan, if I'm not mistaken. But I think Amorites is an okay term, kind of in general, for those people, kind of like Canaanites. But I believe I'm right about that. But at any rate, they conquered that land, and the two and a half tribes said... We want here. Actually, at first it was just Gad Rubin. Then half of Manasseh got in on it too. Where did they ask? Where is it in the Bible that they ask? Numbers 32? Somewhere in late numbers. Yeah. 21-ish. Yeah, Numbers 32. Well, 32 says, well, at least the heading, because Reuben and Gad settled in Gilead. Yeah. That's Numbers 32's heading. Yeah. yeah. That's where it was. You know, right after they had conquered those those nations, uh, and, and they got possession of that land, and, you know, at first Moses said, no. You know, you got to go in with us. They said, we'll go in with you. We'll, 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 the man, the fighting man will go... Just let us build some things for our, our wives and children. They'll stop behind, and we'll go until we conquer the land. We'll be with you. So in that case, Moses says, okay. He lets them do that. Um, and so they get this land on the you know east side of the Jordan River. I think that will be a challenge. You know, I mean, would you like to leave your wives and kids and uh, all your stuff? And go fight with your ba- brothers to conquer their land and then come back to them? I think it would be tempting to say, you know, ah, we got what we want. Uh, good luck, guys. <laughs> uh, but they had committed to Moses that they would go. And Moses had said, you guys make them. And so they did go. Uh, and, and once they conquered the land, then they went back and joined, rejoined their families. 
on the right-hand side of the Jordan. Thoughts and comments through 15. Now here's the here's the response. I, I assume this is a response from the whole nation. You could interpret this as the response of the two and a half tribes. But starting in 16, what do they say? We'll obey you just as we obeyed Moses. Yeah. We are going to, we'll do it. Oh, everything you've said, we'll do. Wherever you send us, we'll go. Just as we obeyed Moses, we'll obey you, sort of. What's their uh, kind of uh, however? As long as God does just as great things with you as he did with Moses... Well, maybe. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. I think that was a good thing. Are they just saying, we'll follow Joshua no matter what? No, they'll follow Joshua as long as he's with the Lord. You know, they're not going to follow him blindly. You know, they'll follow as long as the Lord's with him. Great. Now, if he ever leaves the Lord, well, that's a different matter. They want to be with the Lord. That's exactly the loyalty we ought to have. You follow a person, a man of God, as long as he's with the Lord. If the Lord ever leaves him, well, you better bail. <laughs> uh, so I think that's what they're saying. And uh, But they are promising uh, to obey him just as they obeyed Moses. Now, I must say, that's, that's a little worrisome. Because <laughs> they didn't do so hot at obeying Moses some of the time. So I think I might have said, could you wrap, wrap that one up just a little bit more? <laughs> but but they are saying, we'll obey you. And anyone who rebels against your command and doesn't obey you uh, shall be put to death. And so they are they are saying, okay, we'll do it. And, and they do. Thank God, for once in their history, they say they'll obey him, and they do it. And uh, so it's encouraging. And uh, only be strong and courageous, and that's what they're going to do. So this uh, should give uh, great uh, power to the uh, song only be strong and courageous or however that goes. Uh, and really, that song is very much based on this chapter. Right? You noticed that when you read it. Yeah, uh, this is, that song, I mean, that's where this comes from. I mean, a lot, a lot of songs do, good songs often do, uh, come from things. And you may not realize it if you're not familiar with the passage, you know. And then you start saying the passage, wow, that passage is based on that song. Well, no exactly. <laughs> I remember when, when Matt wrote the lyrics to that and he, you know, tossed it up to be critiqued. And I was like, okay, you've got them going in and conquering. And then, what, what's this about obeying the law? Why, why, why aren't you sticking with your military metaphor? And he pointed to the text. <laughs> I curled up in a little ball. <laughs> Uh, he, just, he just, you know, was following the text. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah good. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, there's nothing like the Bible to, uh, you know, <laughs> really correct us. So, at, at the end of eighteen, when the people are saying, "Only be strong and courageous," is it? Is that almost like a, a second condition? Yeah. Yeah. Follow, follow, okay. yeah. follow God and be strong and courageous, like God told you to be, and, mm -hmm. and kind of thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Did they hear God tell them to be 
strong and courageous, or are they just... Well, Joshua has been them? passing it on to them. Oh, he's been passing everything? I'm assuming okay. so. Um, I guess it doesn't specifically say that, but I think that's the idea, is that he's to tell them to do this. Um, they certainly need to know this information. Okay. Anything else about chapter one? All right. Well, let's look a little bit here at chapter two as they uh, go in. Um, let's do uh, verses one through seven. Okay. 